Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner, and I'm doing something a little bit crazy here today. <laughs> Tom, first of all, I've got to tell you, I got Tom Cruise on here, not the yes, movie star. <laughs> the guy I, I, I talked to back when he was still in school, the guy that uh, we've kind of lost touch uh, over the years, but I was a customer of his software company. He was a guy who was texting me and emailing me, I think, back when he was in school. And... We lost touch, and after knowing him as a guy who wanted to be a software entrepreneur, he comes back into my life and he says, Andrew, I, I'm i doing this Section 8 housing real estate thing, and it's going it's a, well. <laughs> and he he got slammed online, but he loves it for calling his friend Broke Bobby because Bobby <laughs> made how much money? He made 125000 a year as an accountant. <laughs> and because he only made one hundred twenty-five. You called him broke and you did it. What it was it on TikTok, Instagram? Yeah, we have a spreadsheet where we track our friend group's mm -hmm. income and bonuses because we're always traveling together. So <laughs> on there, his name, we, we put our nickname. So I'm Kodak Cruz because I listen to a lot of Kodak Black and rap music and he's the broke of the group. I didn't give him that nickname actually. Someone else gave him, but it stuck um, when we were talking okay. about putting this together. But yeah. But you also have this thing where you're on TikTok, you're big on TikTok, yeah. you're on Instagram, and I guess you you posted this publicly and then everyone yeah, ripped did. into you. And yeah. this <laughs> thing where I feel like you just love attention. You, otherwise, yeah. right? You do. You love that people are saying this guy is, uh, I don't know, an arrogant asshole or something. You're like, yeah, all right, fine. this is great. Yeah, I don't have a problem <laughs> with anyone doing that to me either. I, I don't necessarily love attention at this point in my life, but I don't get hurt when people say stuff like yeah. that. Anyway, so I invited um, Tom back on. Well, not back on. I invited Tom on here so that I could catch yeah. up with him and find out what happened to the web design company he had. I want to know why he's doing not just Section 8 real estate, that I actually am, am excited to find out about, but what the hell is he doing trying to get attention for himself when he's doing Section 8 real estate? People who are in Section 8 don't want anyone to know about it. All right. Exactly. <laughs> right. And we could we could do it thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first one uh, brought a smile to his face when I told him we were going to talk about them. It's HostGator for hosting websites. The second one, I don't know if you know so well, it's uh, Send in Blue for email marketing. I'll talk I about do. I use them for my email marketing platform. Get out of here. Can you talk about no, it? They're, the out, ad? they're out of Europe. Yeah, yeah. I think they're out of Paris, right? So, they yeah. Are. No, I, I use Send in Blue and I, I've used HostGator. Yeah. Freaking A. I love that. By the way, Tom, I want to know about all, all that happened, but let's start with real estate. How much revenue you guys actually, what's a good way for me to analyze how, how well you're doing in real estate? As far as like rent or units or what metric are you asking about? Yeah, I don't know. I guess with the uh, with SaaS companies, I could say what's your annual annualized revenue. You did the same thing. I mean, how do you measure success right here? now? For me, it's unit count. Um, the more units that I can acquire to the portfolio, the higher the net worth, the more cred credibility I have with lenders. The easier it is to bring on partners. So, right now, our average rents around twelve to thirteen hundred dollars a month per unit. At right at four hundred units, it's about okay. half a million dollars a month in uh, gross run rate. And out of that, obviously. That means half a million dollars a month in rent comes into Correct. you, into Correct. your company. And then I okay. retain, I would say between 50 to 55% of that because I don't have, I don't have debt on all the, on the whole portfolio. A lot of it's paid off. Some of it, you know, we pay aggressively down on it, but yeah, that's about 275 to 300,000 is the net. Section eight housing is something I remember from when my dad used to sell clothing to stores in the rougher parts of New York. 
Can you explain what that is? Yeah, Section 8 is simply a federal program that allows economically disadvantaged people that are at or below the poverty line to get rental assistance. Meaning if you, you know, make $20,000 a year, you have a hard time getting housing, you can apply to Section 8, which by the way, they're on mostly two to five year wait lists. So you're going to be waiting a long time to, to get, you know, help from them. But once you do, they will pay up to 100% of your monthly rent directly to the landlord. And so the landlord has no risk taking on a Section 8 person beyond any damage to the to the apartment. Correct. But that's that's not Section 8. I mean, it's totally agnostic to that because if you have a regular tenant and you don't screen them, you have the same risk as a Section 8 tenant that you don't screen. So I'm a big fan of aggressive screening and making sure you have quality people in your portfolio. Why are you doing this, dude? Why are you doing an interview with me? Why are you TikToking? You've got a real estate business. What the hell do you need yeah. all this attention for? Uh, a, it's fun. And B, um, I get a lot of people that are asking me questions about Section 8 and real estate and how to get started. Everybody's fascinated with real estate. Right now it's real estate, yeah. you know, crypto or Amazon, right? And I just happen <laughs> to be in a very niche part of real estate. And, you know, with almost 900,000 followers on TikTok, every day I get hundreds of DMs like, hey man, how'd you start? How'd you do this? So I started a course um, to be able to teach at scale. Um, so I have a, a group and um, educational content, step-by-step step step showing you how to get started with Section 8. So I could do that. I could follow what you're doing. I could end up buying Section 8 real estate yeah. and making money every month. Anybody could do it. I just, I happen to figure it out early and I happen to find what works with it. And me being, you know, OCD, you know, data nerd figured out, okay, the perfect, you know, gold mine properties at three bedroom, two bath at 900 square feet in these areas, you know, buying it at this price. Did you do this while you were doing that web design company that I knew you'd no, you no. four years so, ago? No, in, this no, came no, no. in college. Yeah, in college, I was doing the web design and all marketing agency, and I was all in on that. And then let's I, yeah, let's go through the history then. So, okay. college, you're listening to Mixergy, reading yep. all kinds of stuff about startups, oh and saying, "I want to do it." Yep. Okay, and then you start out with a web design company, which Correct. is one of the toughest places to start, right? So with the web design company, I fell into it. It was actually, mm -hmm. I'll make a long story short. I was in a, uh, intro to business law class and they wanted me to do a presentation. I didn't want to do it with PowerPoint. So I was like, Hey, I'm just going to throw it up on a website. I learned about WordPress at the time. So I did a website, got a domain, did the whole thing for this presentation. My teacher liked it so much. She was a practicing attorney, my, uh, associate professor at the time. And she's like, can you do me a website? And I was like, I mean, sure. So I built her a website. I didn't charge her anything except she was always asking me to make updates. And I was like, look, 149 bucks a month. I'll do unlimited updates. I'll post it for free. Everything's included. And you can just, you know, stop paying me whatever you don't need it anymore. And she's like, all right. So I sold her a website, made 149 bucks a month. And, you know, I was in college. That was you know, a decent amount of free income. So mm -hmm. I just did more of that. And I did it in a way that almost got me kicked out of school, but it worked really right. well. I found out quickly that when you reach out to small businesses with a business domain, you know, it comes across as spammy, especially even in 2012, 2011, you know, when you're selling marketing, it's not as saturated as today. So I found that once you send out an email from a .edu email address, mm -hmm. they open it. Um, they're like, hey, what, you know, college students, I need, and who doesn't want to help, a, you know, an up and coming yeah. college student? So I set up an SMTP server that routed through my school's uh, email server and I outsourced, you know, to India, I got someone to scrape, um, chamber of commerce email addresses for me. So I get about a thousand per day from around the country. And then I would, I would send out emails through this, um, through my school's email server. 
And the response rate was insane. I mean, we were selling, you know, 20 or 30 per month and it was 149 bucks a month. Uh, the Indian guy that was doing the scraping for me, he had a whole family. They all did web design. So I hired all of them and they were doing the WordPress sites and just kind of assembly line, you know, he would scrape it. I would send the emails. I would do the sales. I would hand it off. They would build a WordPress site. And then it became the planet fitness model. Everybody signed up at 149, but people might've sent me two or three changes a month, you know, and even then my designers were doing it. So that's why I got started. That's pretty good business. <laughs> How yeah. much money did you get it to? Oh man, I mean, I think at the height around 300,000 um, per year, um, as far as run rate, 25, 30,000, okay. because there was also fluctuation. I didn't do contracts, it was all month to month. So people would quit after three months or if they didn't get any traffic because mm. they didn't do any marketing. So, but uh, I mean, for, for college, I mean, that was great. That's um, fantastic. I had pretty limited marketing expenses, obviously, you know, federal and state taxes learned about that the hard way. And- um, What do you mean? Yeah. Did you miss any? Yeah, oh yeah, because- You did? Oh yeah. I, I wasn't withholding or doing anything. I didn't, no quarterly taxes. I was just like, Hey, this is, you know, free income, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that was, that was it. But, uh, it caught up with me and then I decided, you know, I had to write a big check, but I was the extent of it. How much, uh, was the check for and how much trouble did you get into? It wasn't that much. I mean, it was just penalties and insurance for probably two years and back taxes. Um, it was just an ugly notice from the IRS. Okay. I think it was like $70,000 or $65,000. So they put me on a payment plan. I, I, got a, I hired an accountant and she, you know, got me out of that mess and I still use the same accountant to this day. So at some point you realize this is not going to go. Before you get to that, yeah. did you buy yourself something? Did you do anything luxurious? Uh, yeah. You seem to me like yeah. a guy with good, like fancy yeah. tastes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did. did. What'd you get? Um, the first fancy thing that I bought was a BMW M3, um, which I had in college. Um, and then it was very much lifestyle creep, you know, I'd make some more money and then I'd buy the next best car that I could afford with that. So I didn't reinvest as much as I should have in college. If I had, I would have had a lot more properties than I do now, but you know, you live and you learn. It was fun. I mean, having, you know, the coolest car on campus was always super fun. I got my first six figure car, um, you know, right after college, I bought my first Porsche on 11. And then from then it just kind of went up from there, especially after I got wow. into real estate. Yeah. Do you date? Did I what? Did you date or girl? By the way, oh, yeah, I, think yeah. that, I, I think the mic is getting better here. I'm, <laughs> I think before that Chris Bap crashed and now it's working. Who knows? I'm willing to invest more time in this because I love being outside. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Tell me about dating. Tell me like when, you, when you're making money at a time when other people in college have no money. What's that like? I mean, it's fun, um, especially because it was completely disposable. I mean, I was paying for my schooling at that point, but I went to a public school and state you know, tuition. So... Living there was cheap. At the time, Wilmington was not very expensive. So it was cheap. I mean, all had all this disposable income. So on the bars, you know, I was buying stuff for friends. And these are all friends that I had before I started doing really well. I think I lost you, Andrew. No, I, I had to suddenly cough up some of the okay. coffee. I was I was just shocked by something. All right. I see I see where this is going. At what point did you get into real estate while you were in in school? Yeah. So right when I graduated real estate, I realized that I really didn't want to do the marketing thing too much longer. It was very intensive. I mean, I was constantly, you know, involved with reporting, with onboarding clients. It was just an endless rat race. Um, so I started looking for other options and I, I found wholesaling, which is, you know, the process of finding an undervalued unit uh, on the market and being able to flip it to an investor that wants to either, you know, be a landlord with it or they want to, you know, flip it and rehab it themselves. So I got started, you know, doing that. What's the first property you bought? 
Um, the first property that I bought was for myself. It was a condo uh, in Wilmington, North Carolina. I bought it for like a hundred grand okay. using an FHA loan. So I put my 3% down at the time I had Obama's $8,000 tax credit. Shout out to Obama. And he got me into that property. And um, from that point on, I, I stayed in it for a year. I had to live in it for a year. After that, I I bought a dog. I bought a big government pincher and he needed a yard. So I needed to buy another single family property. And this is where I kind of had that first aha moment was they didn't allow Dobermans in my condo complex and I needed a yard for him. So I couldn't sell the unit because I was so upside down on it. Keep in mind, this is all post 2008, you know, values were in the toilet. I just, Even though I had, you bought the place for a hundred thousand, I guess I have no sense of real estate outside of major cities because I've always lived in New York, LA, San Francisco, a hundred thousand dollars gets you a nice Tom Cruise taste apartment. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was a three bedroom and it was, you know, near the what? beach. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three bedroom, two bath. Yeah. Yeah. hundred feet. Everyone outside of California, New York are blown yeah. away when I show these $50,000 units. There are cities outside of New York and California. Did you know that area? <laughs> I've never lived in them. I literally, yeah. be before Austin, just I guess Argentina. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, yeah. come no, hang so, out and that's it. Yeah. yeah. So it, they exist. Anyways, I couldn't sell it because I owed more than it was okay. worth. So I was like, I, I got I to gotta rent it out. So I put it up. I rented it out. Same day. Very nice lesbian couple. Um, they had rented it for probably six or seven years after, you know, that the day I rented it. And I had lunch with them, you know, like we went out, they were super cool. I knew that I wanted them in my unit. So that's how I got started. I was making $500 more per month than uh, my mortgage. So I was like, oh man, okay. you know, my marketing clients were paying me 500 bucks a month and they were paying me 500 bucks a month and I never talked to them. So I was like, I got to do right. more of this. So that's kind of okay. where the wheels started turning and I started going more all in on real estate. Okay, that web design company, the website is still up. I saw it a few moments yeah. ago. Uh, it it looks very much like the like the 2010s. But okay, oh, yeah. it was yeah. it was working. Then Exit Intel. This right. is right around the time the Bounce Exchange was worth a ton of money, right? right? This was the company that said, if people are leaving your website, we're going to help you keep them on the site by giving them a discount just moments before they're about to take off. From the site. Exactly. And then they started adding all, all, all kinds of other services. And what was special about them was they were doing software and services. So they would right. give you software that only they had, and then they would manage it in a way that would help get results that they were promising. And so at Exit Intel, I guess you guys use the full name, Exit Intelligence. You no, because thought, we got sued by Intel for copyright. Really? Yeah. Is yeah. that why now you're calling it Exit Intelligence? Because well, I knew you as Exit is, Intel. Yeah. Yeah, okay. no, we got it. We wow. got a cease and desist. We had, that was a whole story. We got a cease and desist from uh, Intel Corporation because the name was infringing on their trademark and they did not like it. And we did not have the money to fight Intel Corporation. Do you know how stupid some of these things are or just like yeah. so infuriating? Like you did uh, John Lee Dumas's podcast. Um, <laughs> I've known him for years. He used to call his podcast Entrepreneur on Fire. And then Entrepreneur Magazine got on him for it. <laughs> And they're known for being litigious. And so his dad, who's, I think, a lawyer, helped him fight it for a long time. And then they finally said, what do we need this headache for? Let's just call it EO Fire. And yeah. went with EO Fire, and now it's Entrepreneurs on Fire and that freaking magazine, which has got nothing going for it, except that they used yeah, the word a entrepreneur a long time ago. Anyway, they got on them. Um, all right. So that's what the change was. Talk to yeah. me about how that business went. Were you really co were, not copy were you copying uh, Bounce Exchange there? 
No, I mean, the exit intent, they had said at some point that they had a patent on it as far as the utility of the job, but it was JavaScript. You know, once you move your mouse outside of a certain area, it triggers yeah. it. But now everyone and their brother does it on a self-service level. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, we didn't think we were. We were fine for a long time. They were trying to get us to license it. There was a whole other story there that, um, that it, I mean, it was a long drawn out okay. battle, but... But was, thing was is, the original idea coming from them saying, look, yes. they're, they're pioneering yeah. something? It was, okay. Yeah. But they shouldn't have a patent on something so simple. We'll do this too. The reason why is that we were going downstream. They were only dealing with enterprise. They were dealing with the Nikes, the Adidas. We were going with, you know, these $50,000 a month e-commerce stores that were getting started, right? And we were doing it at full, mm-hmm. full service. So that was, you know, kind of our big differentiator. And we were the first ones to do it um, outside of the enterprise level. That's why we didn't really yeah. think they would care because until they got into the, you know, that space, then they're like, okay, there's, you know, a lot of money down here with the rest of the, uh, you know, the Inc. 500 is great, but the Inc. 5 million in small businesses, there's a lot more, you know, potential. So Tom, you guys did this for me and you said, don't worry, we'll handle everything. What I loved about it was you came up with the offer. You said, give people 10% off. If they're leaving your site, just offer them 10% off of membership. Yeah. I go, 10%? Who cares about 10%? The membership was 25 bucks a month. You tell me for $2.50, people make a decision. You go, yeah, they will. Just do yeah. it. And sure enough, you were right. And then also, I hated designing things. And you said, no, no, you can't design things. We'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. And it was so like everything handled for us that I just had to say yes and work with you guys. It was such good service. The idea made sense. Where did you get your first customers? And then why didn't it take off the way the Bounce Exchange did? Yeah, um, first customers came from, we did a lot of pay-per-click advertising, which we used AdWords quite a bit for, you know, bouncing traffic. Um, we did a lot of outreach. You know, we had different sales organization companies that do lead generation and we had a sales team. It, it, I was, you know, the, the first salesperson. So I was selling it and I had two other, uh, I had an SDR, another salesperson. We closed it. Um, I was with him for a couple of years. Um, uh, I had a partner, you know, he still runs it today out of raw late. Um, you know, it seems to be doing fine just from looking at it, you know, what you see online, but as far as scale, I don't know. I think that there's diminishing return. There's so many new competitors that are self-service that charge, you know, 19 bucks a month, you know, and you can create from a million different templates and. I think that that really started eroding away at the revenue and, and, and profits. And for us, it just, or for me, it didn't make sense. I wanted to get into real estate. My partner wants to do that full time. So we eventually worked out a buy sell agreement and then, uh, you know, we went different ways and they were in Raleigh. I was in Wilmington. Um, so I wasn't there day to day to, you know, be involved with, with growing it. All right, I want to dig deeper into it. But first, okay. let me talk about my first sponsor. It's send sure. in blue. You're the first person who I interviewed who who knew it, recognized it, smiled when I said it. Yeah. What is it about Send in Blue that got you to sign up for them? Um, it was their speed to be able to start sending email. So I've had it in it. I mean, this would be a great case study. I had a Zoom with like 400 people that were coming up and I quickly found out that the Zoom um, webinar notification system's a joke. They will only notify 25 hours in advance, which people forget about it. So I said, damn, I got to go and I got to <laughs> notify people right now. Uh-huh. So I just Googled, you know, fast onboarding something. And they were the first one to come up. I've signed up, got a free trial. I uploaded all 400 uh, registrants in literally less than like 20 minutes. They had approved my account and um, I was sending email. So I was able, you know, once I launched the, the webinar, I emailed everybody at the same time. Deliverability was great. I mean, it, it worked out perfectly. And then, I mean, I had like a 60% show rate. 
Um, everybody was opening the emails. So that's how I got started. And it's like 25 bucks a month compared to MailChimp's a joke at like 100, 150. And then it ratchets up even further as you yeah. build your business and you don't know when you get started because you say, I just want whatever everyone else is using. You sign up for these yeah. companies that everyone else knows about. And, <laughs> and then you're hostage because who yeah. wants to move an, an email list? Yeah. And uh all right. And then they also have all this marketing automation. So if somebody comes up to come to a webinar, you can also follow up with them differently right. from someone who didn't come to a webinar. All right. Listen, people, if you want to get started, I'm going to give you a deal where you get to try them for free right now. Then you'll get a discount for the first three months. Then you'll get their always low price forever because these people know what it takes to to send out email, which is really not that it's not that expensive, Tom, to send out yeah. email. It's it's fractions of pennies. Right. Everyone else just marks it up because they can, because they've trapped you. you you're a hostage. All right, people, here's a URL. Sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. Listen to Tom. Go to sendinblue.com slash Mixergy. Yeah. And All they right. have great support too, which is something important. I mean, they respond fast to any issues um, that come up. So I definitely recommend great it. Great company. Yeah. And I'm not even sponsored. No, you're not getting paid <laughs> for this. <laughs> I am. So... Getting how much revenue did you guys get exit intelligence up to? I left when we were between forty and fifty thousand per month. I'm sure it's grown since then. You know, we we're up think around half a million, six hundred thousand per year um, when I left. Profit was how much of that? Um, probably forty percent. I mean, we were it's it pretty good margin. We had a lot of expenses. I mean, we had a growing team. You know, we were totally we we didn't have any funding. You know, we were doing this bootstrap. Yeah. So, but here's the thing that I liked about the model. A lot of times you get software, you're supposed to install it, you're supposed to figure out the right design, the right offer, the right everything. You're supposed to stay on top of the stats to adjust it. And what Bounce Exchange showed was that companies shouldn't have to do that, that, that they should be outsourcing this. You did that. Why didn't that go bigger? Why didn't that become the big hit that I expected it to be? Um, I, I just don't think that the, the cost for acquiring clients was really high. Um, from AdWords side to even Facebook marketing. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember the exact cost per, per acquisition, mm -hmm. but it was expensive. Uh, labor and talent in Raleigh was expensive. Real estate and rent was expensive. Everything was expensive. And like I said, we didn't have funding. So getting it to bounce exchange, million dollar run rate every month didn't happen as fast as we wanted. Um, and then very quickly, then you had um, Optin Monster. Optin Monster came onto the scene. They had a done for you solution. You just sign right. up put in the code snippet and then boom, every phone call we had was, why are you charging 1500 a month when I could get it for 29 <laughs> a month? And then it just one more hurdle. So uh, essentially what it was is we built ourselves like a marketing agency that happened to have software. You know, it wasn't really a true self-service SaaS platform. Uh, and that's, I think, a big reason that kind of hindered the growth, at least when I was there. I have no idea how they're doing now. Right. Uh, but yeah. Right. Do you, do you think, Tom, that it could have gotten to, it could have grown more if you added more sir, more software to it. So it wasn't just about exit. It was about all the little tools that you need in order to grow. You will manage them even if you don't create them. So if Optin Monster makes a better uh, app, use them. If somebody else makes a better chat experience, use the chat experience. Do you think that that could have been a direction? Um, possibly. But the thing is, everyone that reached out to us just wanted the exit intent. They wanted to know the tech, the algorithm, you know, to determine right. that. Um, we never really thought about expanding past that. That was kind of our bread and butter and core product. And that's what we, you know, we, we focus on doing. But I think that, I mean, we, we sat in a hotel room because we were going to this meeting, um, I can't remember what we're doing. And 
we were like, we need to decide a decision, like a direction today. Yeah. Like, are we going to go self-service or are we going to go full or full service and let's do it? And then we kind of looked at, you know, yeah, five clients at two grand, that's 10,000 bucks a month or how many people we have to support, you know, with the same $29 self-service offer. So we decided to go full service and I mean, it worked well. I mean, it, it, it was growing pretty, pretty decently. Um, but it was just, you know, uh, war of attrition because me people would then sign up three months later or they'd be like hey if i was googling you know alternatives and i right. found that and that's kind of where it came coming back to so that's that's can i say something tom yeah i'm noticing that i'm more excited about that business than you are what got you to be less excited about it and be willing to take the buyout from your partner was it real estate picking up was it that it was just uh, not as fun no, as you it, thought it would be yeah, I, I had already run a marketing agency for three years at university, at, at in my college, right? And I really didn't want to be involved with another marketing agency, essentially was what it was. And I went into it thinking it was more of a SaaS, you know, solution. And right. it's, it's always, especially watching your interviews, you see these guys on there, they're like, yeah, you know, I set up clear.com and now I just sell data and I make $2 million, you know, from these enterprise yeah. companies. That was the dream, you know, to sell... You know, they signed up, they signed up for 99 bucks a month. We never talked to them. They onboard through video content and then they get value very quickly. That's kind of what I wanted, you know, that I saw yeah. going that direction, but we didn't have the funds to be able to hire out a whole dev team to build out that dream, you know? So that's, that's kind of where we went in different directions too. All right. Meanwhile, it sounds to me like your first real estate endeavor did well, another 500 yeah. bucks a month. Yeah. Then you bought another place so that your dog had space to yeah. run. Did you end up exactly. renting that or take me through the rest of the real estate story? Yeah. So from that point on, I had the condo that was rented. That was my first kind of foray into that and realized that I wanted to do that more. Um, I still had that single family property that I lived. I lived in it for another two or three years while I was doing wholesaling and doing um, a bunch of other um, actually I, I, I lived there for way longer than that, but I started buying more condos. So I reinvested cash from, um, no, my rental. And then I reinvested cash that I had from my marketing company. And then also from the salary that I had from, um, wholesaling and then from any other source of income from exit Intel up until that point. And then I just started buying properties. I, I quickly found out that, Hey, look, a condo is 80 grand, you know, a decent condo in Wilmington, two bedroom or three bedroom, 80 grand. 20% down investment loan is $16,000. So my goal every month when I woke up was how do I get 16,000 to put a deal under contract? So at that point, then it just becomes like a running, you know, 30 days. I had a rolling kind of target of being able to close on one unit every 30 days. Um, and I did that through, when I started wholesaling, I was making five to $7,000 per deal. So I, I figured, all right, I can do two wholesale deals, you know, make 10 or 12 grand and then um, supplement that with income from other sources, from my rentals, from whatever. And that's kind of how I got started. Wait, what's, what's wholesaling? Yeah. Wholesaling is when you find a property, let's say that you have a property and you want to sell it and you're doing it for sale by owner. Mm -hmm. It's in disrepair. There's, you know, problems with it. You can't afford to fix it. I come to you, I say, Hey, Andrew, um, I see that you're trying to sell this property for a hundred grand. Um, I'll give you 75,000, $70,000 on it, but it's going to be a cash deal, mm -hmm. no appraisal. You know, I'll close in 10 days or two weeks. And you can just walk away from the property. Keep in mind, it's 2013, 2014, 2012, you know, the market wasn't as crazy now where everyone had a ton of equity. So you would have these people that would come and say, yeah, sure, no problem. So I would, I would put it under contract. You and I would sign a contract. I'm going to buy your property. I would then go to one of my buyers, you know, or wholesale or flippers and say, hey man, I found this really good property. 
fixed up, it's probably worth 150 grand, you know, maybe 160. Um, I have it under contract for 70. I will give it to you. I will sign this contract to you for 75,000. He's like, that's great. I have all this built in equity. I did all the hard work of finding the unit, right? So mm-hmm. you get your $70,000. I get my $5,000, which is, you know, the difference between the 75 and the 70. And then he gets a house that he can go and flip. So I, and then mm-hmm. the great part about this is you don't need a ton of cash to start. I put $500 down, you know, as earnest money to put the property under contract with the seller. And then I went on, I think at some time I was using Craigslist, I list the property and then I would, I would find someone to, to buy it for a higher value. Okay. And then you kept doing this. Yes. And at one point you decided I'm going to start teaching it. Oh, I yeah. wonder why. That was a long question. Why start yeah. teaching it? Yeah. So but wh- why not say, why not say, guess what guys, I know how to do this. You're trying to figure out how to do it. Tell you why, just give me some money, invest in this REIT that I'm putting together and I'll go and buy the property or we'll do a partnership. You'll right. be a limited partner. I'll right. Why didn't you do it that way? Because I looked into REITs and to, you know, Regulation D and all these other SEC regulated things. I've seen syndications and I've seen, you know, kind of how, how it's put together. I see a lot of these multifamily guys doing it. It's just not a direction I wanted to go. I already had the cash flow for my single portfolio. I didn't want to continue doing that with other partners. I didn't want to have to go and raise money. I didn't want to have to go and constantly searching for deals. Um, I think that I'm able to help a lot more people directly do it themselves and be able to build their own portfolio because on these reads, it's a joke, man. I mean, if you were, if you were to buy into one of my deals, uh, and you see, I mean, these Grand Cardos, you know, a bunch of these other really big multifamily, you know, syndicators, they pay out five or 6% per year. You know, I mean, you can put that money almost anywhere, crypto, <laughs> NFTs, stocks, and you're going to do better than 5% a year. Um, and I just never, I never was a fan of that. So if you can go out and I can teach you right now to go buy a property for 80 grand, put $16,000 down on it, rent it for $1,400 a month, and you're going to get a 60% cash on cash return in your first year, it's a lot more attractive and it's guaranteed 2020 global pandemic. I had my best year ever. People weren't moving out of units. I was, you know, increasing rents on Section 8 units. Um, they were still honoring, you know, the annual increases and we were still showing houses. You know, we were doing content li- contactless showings. We had, you know, those door, the automatic locks on the doors and all we were doing is buying properties and occupying them. Everybody was terrified of showing units and, you know, having these processes. We already had it in place. So we were buying 20, 30 units per month. So that's kind of why I got into teaching. All right, walk me through it in a moment. First, I'm going to say my second sponsor is HostGator. Yeah. What do you know about HostGator? <laughs> this is like the greatest ad <laughs> technique ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, hey, Tom, what do you know about HostGator? Yeah. And then I give my URL. And then HostGator goes, wow. HostGator uh, was a host, you know, I mean, they've been around forever. When I started hosting in 2007, yeah. 2008, you know, right when I started at UNCW uh, College here in North Carolina, they were them and GoDaddy and were always kind of the big 800-pound gorillas in the space. And Bluehost. I think Bluehost is still around. And, uh, and now they, they're, they were acquired by the same company. Really? They're, they're merged. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. they merged. I haven't been keeping up with it. They got the, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah. HostGator, they blew up through their affiliate program. I'll never forget. I mean, they were giving away like $200, right. you know, per $300 for a sign up on a $5 a month hosting account. So they were playing the long game. And I just remember them having, you know, the goofy Gator logo and everything. But the hosting was solid. They had a bunch of built-ins for WordPress. I mean, I used it at one point before I had my own server. So great, great hosting. <laughs> All right. Uh, I use HostGator also. Anyone out there who wants to get started with a website, go to HostGator. It's inexpensive. It just works and it'll scale with you. Beyond their less expensive packages, they do have much more robust offerings that will do all kinds of things that everyone else is doing, but at a lower price. So yeah. if you want to get started, go to HostGator.com slash Mixergy. When you use that URL, 
they'll give you the lowest possible price. Maybe that's like an exaggeration. I, I think the lowest possible price is zero, but they'll give you the lowest price that I'm aware that they make available. And frankly, you'll get tagged as one of our uh, listeners, which means that I'll have your back with them and uh, and they'll know it. So they'll take great care of you because you're a friend and a listener of mine. Go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. By the way, I'm digging it. I, I don't think that the sound is coming through in a wacky way, right? No, it's I'm not. still out here. The ducks are going nuts. Do you hear ducks? No, uh, very little background noise. All right, I'm going to keep working on this yeah. because first of all, I'm a little cold, but I'm I'm loving being outdoors. This feels a little bit strange because people keep looking at me, but Austin oh, yeah. still has a little weirdness in it. Yeah. All right, so Tom, all right, let's suppose that I wanted to do this, right? Okay. What do I do? Do I do this here in Austin? No. Do I have to think outside? No. <laughs> like no. How your eyes just went like, no, no. Andrew. No, no way. Okay, where, be, where would I do yeah, it? Yeah, the property taxes there and the, and the purchase prices there are going to be high. It's, it's going to be tough to cash flow correctly. Right. I would recommend Ohio. I'm buying a lot in Ohio. Uh, Dayton, Ohio, for example. I have to fly to Ohio no, and get no, to know no, Ohio no, no, no. to I, do I, this? I, no. I've never been to Ohio. I have no intention of going to Ohio. No, I buy it remotely. So I'll find, I use realtor.com. I go look at properties that are under $100,000 and move in ready in Ohio. Um, I'll buy a property. I'll find a property management company there. They'll take over. And um, between zero and 10 units, I recommend a property management company. After you get your 10th unit, you can start affording your own full-time property manager. And then it's just a lot easier to scale because then you can just give them as many properties as you want and your fee doesn't change. You know, they have a set annual salary. And um, okay, yeah. So under $100,000, yep. then let's suppose I don't need a mortgage for that, yep. right? I just pay the whole thing cash, No, you wouldn't right? do that. Mortgage company. I'm sorry? You wouldn't do that. Wouldn't get mortgage? No, no, or you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy cash at all. Why not? Because money is three and a half, four percent I mean, it, you're going to make, you're gonna okay. make so much more. I mean, for example, here's a quick map. If you take $100,000 cash and you go and buy a property right now, you're going to be $100,000 into that unit and you're going to be making 1300 bucks a month. That's great. But you can take the $100,000, that's 20% down on half a million dollar portfolio. Now you're buying seven or eight units that are cash flowing four or 5,000 a month. And you're, you're you know, you have a okay. lot more leverage, but yes. All right. Yeah. So I buy it. Yeah. I get a, I get a mortgage right. at these low interest rates. Fine. Um, it has to be under $100,000. Does it have to be in a certain kind of neighborhood? Or does it even matter? It's going to just naturally in that price range, it's going to be in a, you know, they call it a C class or D class neighborhood. Um, the big thing that I look for is okay. is crime. You know, there's crime apps and they have really good sense, especially when you talk to inspectors and property managers, they'll tell you, hey, look, do not buy here. <laughs> I won't even go there during the day. Okay. So you get a good sense of the area and then, you know, what streets to buy on. And then from that point on, you just acquire and add it to your property management team. So I buy I buy the place yep. remotely. I get somebody to go with a with an yeah. iPhone and FaceTime exactly. and just show me the place. That's what you do. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you go through, you you find it, you're looking for anything specific, yeah. like no no cracks in the wall. What are you looking for? Yeah, so Section 8 has a um, compliance, I mean, inspection guidelines that you have to look at. Um, they have, it's really the three S's, sanitation, structural, and safety. You want to make sure that the foundation, the roof, and all the big components are, are sound. Not, you know, no piers falling over, no foundation all cracked. Um, and then sanitation. Obviously, the unit has to be clean, can't be debris, can't have, you know, mold growing anywhere. And then um, safety, you know, no broken windows, all the window locks have to work, door knobs have to work, appliances have to work, pretty much everything has to work. <laughs> That's really the only main thing for, for inspection. And then you go through it and um, if, if it looks good and your inspector likes it, then you close on it. That's it. Um, what is that? Next appointment? No, no text messages. No, it's not. Sorry. 
I had my FaceTime completely. Oh, I had FaceTime. Yeah. Okay. How do you get um, government approval for Section 8 payment? Um, sorry, I'm just signing out of my message. Um, government approval for, uh, it's pretty straightforward. What happens is after you buy the property and it's available for um, occupancy, then you would notify your local mm-hmm. housing authority. Hey, look, I have this unit. It's ready. Then from that point on, they notified their member base, you know, the tenants that are looking for Section 8 units. And then from there, you would go um, and, and start screening. You know, I check for eviction, credit, background, um, income verification, landlord verification. Uh, we go as far as going and going to where they live and checking out how they're currently living um, before we'll allow them into our units. How do you send somebody in to go look at where they're living? Our property manager will call them and say, hey, we have an in-home visit. When are you available? Your property management oh, yeah. company will do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they charge? What does um, the property well, it's part of, I mean, so... With a property management company, they're going to have their own like visit fee. I know it's not a normal screening method. So I don't really work out. I think it's like 50 bucks per visit. But the advantage is when you have your own full-time property manager, then you're able to just, you know, it's just one of their duties. Got it. And for that, okay. you can, you know, 4,000 bucks a month, you have a really good, you know, property manager that you can, you can trust to go do that. Okay. Anything else that goes into this? I mean, I obviously go into more detail yeah. wherever it is that you're teaching it. Yeah. So the the big thing is just, is is the tenant screening is going to, because if you get the, you can get the best property in the best market and you can be getting fourteen hundred dollars a month of rent and you can have a three hundred dollar mortgage just be knocking it out of the park. But if you didn't check the tenant out, they have you know a criminal background and drug trafficking. It, it's gonna it's gonna leach into your property. You're gonna have cops called all the time. It just normally. You want to make sure that the risk is reduced, you know, and make sure there's no crazy felonies, no violent assaults, no, I mean, it's just also a liability for you. You don't want someone killing someone else on your property. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Beyond the liability. No, I don't want yeah. anyone killing anyone. Uh, all right. What's the biggest headache that you've had with this? At first it was inspections, you know, because you're dealing with um, an inspector that comes out there. They make sure that the property is the way that it's supposed to be. And at the beginning, I really didn't know what they were looking for. We have a checklist and the checklist is kind of vague, you know, so we were going off that. I had a contractor that would go out there and make the, you know, fixes for me, but they'd come out and there'd be some like minor things. Like for example, I, I'll never forget, you know how like in kitchens there's, you know, ceramic tile on the floor and mm-hmm. um, one of the tiles had like a hairline fracture. The tile wasn't even loose. There was just a, a, like a, a little crack in, in the tile. And the guy was like, this is a yeah. safety hazard because someone could trip on this. And mm. no one is going to ever trip on that crack. And they're like, well, we have to fail you until you replace it. So, you know, they come back the next day or we got to a point with our relationship where we would just take a picture, send it to them. Then they would pass us in their system. Because what happens mm. is if you don't, if you don't take care of the property and you don't maintain it, then they put you in abatement and they'll stop paying. So there's a lot of incentive outside of wanting to keep the tenant happy to take care of the property. And, um, that's really the only headache. Uh, especially at scale, I mean, out of the 400 units that I have now, over 350 are Section 8. So we have 350 inspections annually across four states. So the logistics of that, you know, we use software, you know, we use um, different processes in place to make sure those get done efficiently. But that was really the only, the only real headache. No, cl- no tenant headache where something terrible happened, couldn't get rid of somebody or they broke something? I buy states where you can buy and get rid of tenants very easily. So North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Ohio have very good landlord laws. Um, it's not like in New York mm-hmm. where you're waiting years and you have these horror stories of getting evicting yeah. tenants. Um, I was evicting tenants the entire time. So 
that's, that's, it's 150 bucks in three weeks and you can get a tenant out in, in these states. So the tenant's not a real issue. You always have these outliers, no matter how well you screen, you're always going to have people that bring other people into the property, right? Girlfriends, boyfriends, cousins, on everyone that's lived. So we've had some like, you know, I had some, I had one guy set up a whole strip club in my rental property. Yep. Wow. Yep. So I've had okay. that. I've, and how'd you even find out about it? Uh, he, what was it? Oh, one of my contractors was working down on that street and he walked by the property and they gave him a flyer for the strip club. <laughs> That's how I found out. And then I looked it up and he had like a whole Yelp page and reviews and he had like themed nights, you know, for different things on the nights and he had serving up. I mean, it was a huge mess. And I contacted him about it. I was like, hey man, what are you doing? You, you can't do that. He's like, don't worry about it. This is kind of my quarantine hustle. So then after quarantine ended last year, he <laughs> just shut it down. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's always ridiculous stories when you have, you know, inevitably when you have that many units. Would you have shut it down? Does it matter to um, you if somebody's doing anything, if they're not yeah, hurting anyone else? Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I, I wouldn't have gotten in trouble for it. I didn't know about it, you know, up until that point. I didn't know exactly what they were doing. It's their private domicile. You know, they weren't spilling it out to the street. Mm -hmm. But I told them, I was like, look, you know, as long as I don't hear about it, if the cops aren't calling me, because I've had situations where I'll wake up at two in the morning where, the, you know, New Edinburgh County SWAT division, uh, you need to come down here because we just blew out two of your windows and both entrance and exit doors, uh, front and back wow. doors, because your tenants were, what were they doing? Uh, manufacturing meth. That was one of my favorite ones. So they just wrecked wow. the whole house. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's a few stories like that, um, where you just got to roll with the punches, you know, we ended up suing the county. They paid us for all the damages. And, um, yeah, it was a fun time. Why'd you have to sue the county? Why is it their responsibility if someone's making meth in your place? Because they, they, um, they use excessive force to gain entry into the property. So instead of just blowing up the front door and being dealt with it, they blew up every window in the house, the back door, and then they'd flashbang the entire uh, interior. The enti I mean, there was, you know, burns from the flashbangs. There was the hinges, the casing. It was all wrecked, like $6,000 in damage that they did just to get two, you know, crackheads out of the house <laughs> or methods. All right. And meanwhile, well, it doesn't sound like they were, were they meth heads? It seems like they were meth uh, entrepreneurs. I I'd interview yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll bring laughs> it didn't work out very well for I'll them. I'll do it live and direct. I would from, love it. From their prison. <laughs> all right. And so for all those headaches, what's the best upside that you've had? Where are you getting to go where your buddy, uh, poor Bobby, doesn't get to go? I mean, man, it's, it's so few and far between. I mean, these are just the funny stories that come up, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with it, any, any business entrepreneur, you know, venture, you're going to have headaches. You're going to have like crazy, ridiculous stories. I've had a story where I had a property manager showing one of the properties and, um, the, her prospective tenant was about to come up and there were some guys drug dealing out front of the house. And she was like, man, I'm never okay. going to rent this house if these drug dealers are up front. So she goes and she's probably like five, two, you know, soaking wet, just like was a little skinny girl and she goes next on their window I was like can you guys just can you guys go to the next block I'm about to show this property and I can't have uh, you in front and they're like yeah yeah uh, yeah bad 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 and then they move and I was like I know you didn't have confront drug dealers to move their operations she's like I wouldn't have been able to rent the unit and then she rented the unit so and stuff like that it's wow weird. All right. So did you get to do anything fun? Like we talked earlier on in your career you got to do fun stuff oh, what yeah, are you getting to do now what are you doing that that makes this whole oh, I traveling worthwhile. i travel a lot i'm a degenerate gambler so i love going to vegas i love going there like at least three times a year um we just got uh -huh. back from italy a few months ago uh we went for two weeks me and my girlfriend my, my sister her boyfriend um and in me it's just you know the toys i'm a big car fan so i started collecting cars i got rolls royce and lamborghinis and range rovers and boats and jet skis so 
all the shit that I've always wanted, you know, growing up, now I have. So that's the big benefit. I mean, just mostly financially free. You know, built kind of the dream house on the water, um, just all the check boxes that I wanted. And then now it's just a matter of keeping busy, you know, finding other fun things to do. Um, I thought I'd hit a ceiling or a plateau with real estate. You know, after you buy so many units, it's the same thing over and over. Acquire, rent, repeat, you know. So now I'm really enjoying the education side of it because now I'm able to talk to a bunch of investors. I'm talking to people that, you know, have their last $20,000 they want to invest. I'm talking to guys that are worth $20 million that, you know, want to buy 500 units and want to partner with me. So um, I'm just finding the more that I connect with other people, the more opportunities come up and, you know, it's different every day. Where are they talking to you on that Discord of yours? Uh, Discord is for wholesaling. So I do have a, a Discord there that, that does mostly wholesaling, but no, it's uh, Telegram. So as part of my $5,000 coaching course, um, I have 12 months of coaching included and they reach out to me through through Telegram. It's a whole separate. How yeah, much are you making off of teaching? Off of like, okay, so Discord, um, I think at the height was around forty five to 50000 per month. That was paid, subscri- wow. paid subscribers. Um, that was during quarantine. There's pre-quarantine, during quarantine, and post-quarantine. Quarantine, everybody was at home, had stimulus money coming out everywhere. So, you know, they were throwing four by $47 a month, but it's dropped off. I mean, it's probably half that now, uh, 25, maybe 30,000 bucks is, um, what Discord is throwing. And then as far as courses, that's still new. I launched it about two months ago. Um, we're doing anywhere from, I would say 30 to $50,000 per month right now. I mean, the course is five grand, so it only takes about 10 or 12 sales to really have some pretty significant revenue, but, um, but we're still kind of, you know, putting together a sales team and sales organization and, um, working out through pipelines and we're, we're figuring out organic versus paid ads and, and things like that. All right. And then compare that to how much cash flow is coming in from real estate. I mean, real estate's going to be, I mean, right now, real estate's 275 to 300,000 per month is the, is the net cash flow on about half a million dollars in, in rental income. So, I mean, mm-hmm. this is probably combined. After paying mortgage. After saying. mortgage, everything. Yeah. So 500,000 gross, maybe 275, 300 net. Um, after paying debt service, managers, maintenance, vacancy, that's all included. Yeah. All right, Tom. Well, <laughs> congratulations. Where do, where do even people see you? I, I wanted to send my sponsor like a list of people who are coming up in their websites. And the site that I saw for you was not even a site that you used to rent. <laughs> the only thing that I see for you is TikTok and like a link tree type site. Yeah, yeah. So the, the main one is section8formula.com. Um, from there, uh, okay. I have, you know, a webinar that goes over everything. You can book a call with my team. Um, it's my only product. I'm only selling one one course, so I don't have a full built out, you know, website. It's essentially a click funnel site. And then I have um, so. uh, a lot of content around section eight there as well. All right. I think this experiment of uh, recording outdoors is mildly successful. I'm going to call it a success overall, but it has some issues. I think um, I think I'm going to do it again. What do you think? Yeah. It was a little distracting for you, frankly, because we had to pause while I restarted my system. I but other than it, that, what do you think? No, it's fine. I'm just imagining the people around you just like staring at you while doing like a full interview with your whole mic set up at a coffee shop. You know what? I, I'm gonna put up like a mixergy sign here. Like oh these people, God. like, why don't you just, just do this outside out? of your house? Do you not have a backyard? We're we're at an Airbnb, and also I can't. I need to see people. I oh, okay. I 
I love being around people. The reason I came to San Fran- to Austin is whenever I'd go to, to coffee shops or hotels, I'd see such interesting people. They were dressed differently. They had this they had this cool vibe to them. In San Francisco, everyone looked like a like a like a schlub <laughs> in a hoodie who just did not want to talk and wanted to work, which I get, but I, I need some atmosphere. All right. Well, I hope I get to see you here. And for anyone else who is here in Austin, come by, say hello. Um, I'm Andrew at Mixergy.com. That's how Tom connected with me over the years. So email me and say hi. And Tom, congratulations. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. If any of your followers or audience want to reach out, it's just T Cruz NC. That's my social media. Okay, cool. Thanks. Bye, everyone.